Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Anybody ready for the word today? Oh, come on. Awesome. We're about to get into it. Uh, We're talking about our inheritance. And you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through 21. In fact, why don't you stand in honor of reading of God's word, if you don't mind? Somebody say inheritance. Inheritance. It's so important that we understand the inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. Uh, That as children of God, we have an inheritance. And I believe in order for us to really appreciate this inheritance that we have, we have to have an understanding and a comprehension of the history and heritage and really the story that we find in Scripture. You know, a while back, a couple years ago, I did one of those Ancestry.com things. Anybody ever done that before? Well, I was able to submit my DNA, and I got the results back as far as, you know, my history, my bloodline, my, my heritage, my family. And it helped me appreciate, you know, who I am and, and, and where God has placed me today. And I believe in a similar way, whenever we understand the story of the Bible and the relevance of it, uh, we'll have a deeper appreciation for what Jesus has done and our position as children of God. So if we want to understand, uh, like if someone were to ask me, hey, how do I understand the Bible in a better way? Or where can I get started? I would respond by saying, start with the covenants found in Scripture. In fact, I know we have the Scripture right here, but can you show the slide of the different covenants that we find in the Bible? And that's what we're going to be doing during the first part of the semester as we talk about inheritances, we're going to be covering each of these covenants mentioned in Scripture. It's been said before like this, that, that covenants are the backbone of the biblical story. That the covenants of God are the backbone of the biblical narrative. In other words, we won't fully understand the Bible if we don't first understand the covenants that God made within it. Because it's the covenants in Scripture that help piece the Bible together. So right here to my right, we have the Adamic covenant, which is the covenant God made with Adam. And you can probably put two and two together, the Noahic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the covenant that God made with Moses, people of Israel, the Davidic covenant, and also the Messianic covenant, the covenant that Jesus Christ established. And here's what's amazing about this. Um, As God made a covenant with his people, Every time that there was a new covenant that was made, uh, we had a deeper revelation or we have a deeper revelation of who God is in his character. It was progressing, ultimately leading to Jesus. So all of this points to Jesus, but it also pertains and is relevant for us today. Is anybody ready to learn about the inheritance that you have in Christ Jesus as a child of the Most High God? Oh, come on. Can we go ahead and put our hands together for his word if you're ready? For what we're going to be learning. So if you don't mind, why don't you turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through 21, or if you can follow along on the screen. So you don't want to miss one week of this. If if you do happen to miss it, the the good news is we have all these messages recorded, posted on our YouTube channel, on the app, and on the podcast. But we're going to be talking today about the Adamic covenant. In particular, we're going to be reading from Genesis 3, and this takes place right after Adam, Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit. They fell short. Sin, and, and then sin entered into the world. So it, says, so it says this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through 21. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about the garden. 
So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? Isn't that interesting how God, who's supposed to be all-knowing, right? Omniscient. He says, where are you? See, I believe that he wasn't really talking about their physical location as much as he was talking about their spiritual orientation. That, that he could sense that something was out of Kelter. And he says, Adam replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate. In other words, it's almost like he's pointing to God, right? Have you ever heard it said before, when you point the finger at somebody, you got this many fingers pointed back at you, right? He's pointing to God. And then the Lord asked, the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That, that's why I ate it. And isn't it interesting when you see how the enemy deceived Adam and Eve? Because, you know, the scripture records that, that the enemy came, the serpent came and said, when you eat of this, you will be like God. That was a lie because they were already like God, made in the image of God. We can't believe the lie of the enemy, Amen. What have you done? The serpent deceived me. She replied, that is why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are, more, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I want you to catch this next part because this is probably the biggest part of this covenant. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Get this, this is the first messianic prophecy that we find in scripture. This is the first promise of redemption that we find in scripture where God says that there will be hostility between the seed, right, of Eve and also the enemy, the serpent. Speaking of Jesus, because who knows, he was bruised on the cross, but who's thankful on the third day he rose defeating death, hell, and the grave. Oh, come on, somebody crushing the head of the enemy. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And to the man he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. I'm just going to insert this in here. Too. Isn't it interesting how whenever Jesus was crucified, they put a crown of thorns on his head? I don't even think, I don't think it was a coincidence because that was part of the curse of sin and the fall. Thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains by the sweat of your brow, you will have to, you will have food to eat until, the ret until you return to the ground from which you were made. In other words, he was working already, but now it's going to be tough. It was going to be hard. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. And it ends with this. Then the man, Adam, can somebody say Adam, named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. And the Lord God, get this, made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Talking about the Adamic covenant. Let me remind you today that we believe that the word of God is true. It's inerrant. 
And that what we read wasn't just a fiction, it wasn't just a fable, it wasn't a fairy tale or a myth or a legend, but this is the word of God. This is a retelling of history and how God redeemed and is redeeming his creation. You serve a God of covenant. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, have your way today. Speak through your word, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, for fresh impartation among your people, God. You know the need. You see everything, God, taking place in their personal life, God, in their family life, and in marriages, God. You, you see it all. Nothing is a surprise to you, God. So I just pray that you would begin to edify and build up and equip the saints, God, and, and that we would understand the inheritance that we have from you, Lord. Thank you for your word. I feel the anointing. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Why don't you say, thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Go ahead and put your hands together for him before you take a seat. You may be seated. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. I love the presence of God, y'all. I tell people, man, God is so real. If you just experienced him, we just, like, we just experienced him too. So powerful. I want to start off this sermon by giving you a definition for this word covenant because I don't want to just assume and we don't want to assume that everybody knows what this word means because sometimes, you know, we have church jargon where we say certain words and, you know, you could be in church for a while and maybe you feel intimidated by certain words and you don't want to ask or whatever. Like, come on, we've heard the word covenant, right? And maybe you've heard it said before, but no one's really taken the time to slow down and teach you what is entailed with this word and what it means. So you can write this definition down if you want. Take a picture. Covenant. It's a promise, an agreement, or legal contract between two parties, usually to do or not to do something specified. Get this, deriving, this, this word covenant derives from the Hebrew word karat, which means this, to cut. Can somebody say to cut? See, I want us to grab a hold of this. We need to understand this because in the culture, in the day and age of the Bible, um, a covenant that was established was symbolic and a representation of a relationship that was established. So to establish a covenant was a way of establishing a relationship. And let me remind you today and tell you today that, that you serve a God that desires to be in relationship with his people. That God has desired to be in relationship with his people. And how does God do that? He does it by establishing covenants that we find in scripture. And a covenant was no small thing in the Bible. In fact, it was such a serious thing that a covenant was actually often sealed or cut or it was sealed with blood for example the the, the slides that we saw earlier were described and, and we had the flow chart the roadmap of all the covenants get this every one of those covenants they were sealed with blood there was blood shed that was a sign of the covenant taking place what happened in the last verse that we read and the last verse that we read it says that god took the skin of an animal and put it on Adam and Eve. Come on, I don't know if you've been hunting before or something, right? And you skin, you got to get the knife out. There was an incision. There was a cut that had to take place. And as God made a covenant, there was also a cutting. 
Did you know also, because sometimes we think, okay, well, the covenants are just in the Bible. You know, God, God established a covenant a long time ago, you know, and whatever. But let me tell you something. It's more relevant than we realize. Did you know that scripturally speaking, that marriage is considered a covenant? Marriage is considered a covenant. That, yes, there are vows. I don't know if you remember your wedding day or not. It doesn't matter if it was at the courthouse or whatever. It doesn't matter. There was probably an exchange of vows, maybe a ceremony and, and, and a celebration, the breaking of bread or whatever. And, but, but there was also legal papers to prove it. But also, let me tell you something as well, that if you want to go even further than that when it comes to it being a covenant, there is also at times a shedding of blood that takes place, especially if it's a couple's first time. I'm just going to leave it like that, okay? In other words, that blood is a sign of a covenant that is taking place. And let me tell you something real quick. That's why we need to value marriage and intimacy because it's a big deal to God. In fact, God was the first one that officiated and consummated the first marriage. You know that? Between Adam and Eve, how did he do it? He cut open, right? Because he took the rib of Adam, and Eve came from the rib of Adam. A cutting had to take place. In other words, a covenant is what happened. In other words, let me tell you that you serve a God of, a cov of covenant. And this isn't to shame anybody today or make anybody feel bad because I know at times we may experience broken covenants in life. But let me tell you, you serve a God that is faithful to his covenant and faithful to his word. His promises are yes and amen. And under the new covenant, we have grace and mercy that we can receive from God. Now, you may be asking yourself, and this is what I ask myself, to God, why blood? Why was blood used to seal a covenant and be a sign of a covenant? Like, God, why is the Bible so bloody, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Because we, we, we thank God for the blood of Jesus. But think about this for a second. Why blood? Well, the scripture tells us this, that life is found in the blood. Life is found in the blood, See, the Bible knew that long before the scientific community discovered it. That's why whenever somebody is losing blood, you could say that they are losing their life. That's why whenever you give blood, I love when we have blood drives at our church and we come together, they have signs and posters that say this, donate blood, right? Give blood, save lives. Because life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. What am I trying to say? Why was blood used? Because God takes his word so seriously and God takes a covenant so seriously that he is willing to stake the life of something on his word. Because God cannot and he will not go against his word and God will not lie. See, get this. Did you know that whenever God created Adam and spoke to Adam, that he was also establishing a covenant? We know that in the beginning, what God created the heavens and the earth, what did he do? He spoke things into existence. He said, let there be light. 
He made day. He made night. He, he, he put the stars and the moons and the oceans and, and everything into existence, the animals and, and the mountains and the valleys and, and the plants and the animals. And, and he spoke it, and the Scripture says he saw that it was good. But get this. Man, on the other hand, us, we were the only thing in God's creation that he personally touched and formed and fashioned. What did he do? He created us from the dust of the earth, and he breathed life into us, and we are made in the image of God. And after God created us, what did he say? He said this, not just it is good. He said, it is very good. Oh, come on, somebody. Turn person next to you say, you are very good. Very good. He said, it is very good. Then God gave Adam a name, which was Adam. Think about it. He could have named Adam anything. He gave him a name. He said, you are Adam. Now be fruitful. Multiply. Subdue the earth. Take dominion. Tend to the garden. Just don't do this one thing. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They had one commandment within that covenant. One commandment within the covenant. We know the rest of the story, right? What happened? The serpent slipped in, tempted Adam and Eve. They ate of the forbidden fruit. Sin and death and everything evil that we see entered into the world. And now things haven't been the same since. But I have a question to pose to you today. And, and maybe you've heard, maybe you thought of this before, or, or, but it's been posed before. But I was thinking to myself, how come, how come God didn't just, after Adam and Eve failed, why, why didn't he just say, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to take them out, kill them off, and do a re-over. Like do a do-over, right? God could have said, like, okay, you know what? That was a first prototype right there. We need some improvements to this right now, you know, and, and, and whatever. Things didn't go according to, to the plan. You know, we're just going to go. I'll bury them. No witnesses, right? You know, in fact, I did this that whole thing in seven days. I got nothing but time. Let's go ahead and let's do a do-over. Think about that for a second. Could, have God, could God just have done, like, a do, why didn't God just give up on us and move on? And I believe that when we understand the answer to that question, we'll have a deeper appreciation and understanding of how much God values a covenant. And the shorter answer to that, I believe, is this. He couldn't because he was in covenant. God couldn't. He decided not to. Why? Because he, is in, he was in covenant. Because if there's one thing God will not do, God will not go against the, his word and his covenant that he establishes. And I want to explain this to you and break it down to you real quick by, by, by showing you this name, Adam. Because think about this, right? I said it a second ago. God could have named him anything. He could have said, you are Pedro. Bob. You know what I mean? Like, you are Bob. Take dominion. You know, no, but he said, you are Adam. Can somebody say Adam? And as you can see on the slide, we have the name Adam, which was the first name given to man by God. And underneath that, how we can pronounce it also in another way in the Hebrew, which is Adama. 
And then below that, we actually see how it's written Adam in Hebrew, which is comprised and made of three distinct letters from the Hebrew alphabet. And get this, this word in the Hebrew literally means earth or ground or land. It can also mean this red earth. Why red earth? Well, if we do a deeper study, get this. If we break down the syllables and we break down this word even more, we get this right here. Check it out. The first part of the word pronounced dumb, which means this. Guess what? Blood. Blood is in the name of Adam. And the second part being the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet known as the Aleph, which get this, this letter represents the oneness and presence of God in the world. And this letter was actually the first letter of the first name that God is revealed by, which is Elohim. And many of God's titles found in scripture start with the Aleph letter. In other words, it pointed to God. So get this, another way we could translate this name as, and the one way that we can say it is like this, God's blood in earth. Oh, come on, somebody. God's blood in earth. A basic biology lesson, y'all, will also tell us this, that in order for a child to be conceived, what has to happen? The hemoglobin, I believe the, another word for saying, like part of the blood, the blood type for the, from the father is inherited and passed on from the, to the child. The scripture says that God created Adam from the dust of the earth, and what did he do? He breathed life into Adam. The scripture says life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. So in other words, get this, Adam had supernatural life given from God flowing through his veins. I, I want you to get this just for a second. He breathed life. Life was in the blood. Supernatural life. In other words, guess what? God made a covenant with Adam invested with his own blood, which, guess what, created provision. In other words, God had a plan for redemption before the fall ever took place. Oh, come on, somebody. Just in case he was to fall, just in case we were to mess up, just in case we would fall short, guess what? God said, I'm in covenant with my creation. I'm, I'm able to turn these things around. I, I put this blood inside of Adam. So when Adam sinned, guess what? Get this, though, because this is when things turn and change. When Adam sinned, when Adam fell short, he became spiritually dead, and guess what? His blood was tainted. His blood was tainted, but not only did it affect Adam and Eve, guess what? It affected us. We inherited, guess what? We inherited that same blood. You may not realize it, but you have the blood of Adam on the inside of you. The first man ever, we inherited that same death. We inherited that same sin. We inherited that same nature. Like, who knows? You don't have to teach your child to do bad. Oh, come on, somebody. Like, you don't have to teach your child to sin. 
they will just do it. Why? Because we are born with a sinful nature. We are born sinners. Did you know, just go a little deeper, did you know that in the Hebrew, the word human being, do you know what that's translated to? Children of Adam. Human being, children of Adam. In other words, get this, we couldn't save ourselves. We had no hope on our own. We couldn't even redeem ourselves. We, 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 we were dead in our sin. We were all far from God. God tried to establish different covenants, but we could never measure up. We kept on failing. We kept on falling short of the glory of God, but it wasn't until Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who the Scripture calls the second Adam, stepped in, paid the price, fulfilled everything that we had a hope for re. Redemption. And he shed his blood on the cross. Why did he shed his blood on the cross? Because he was establishing a new covenant. Because life is in the blood. And also the scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Jesus had to shed his blood on the cross. And guess what? Jesus' blood wasn't any ordinary man's blood. Jesus' blood wasn't like you and me. His blood was untainted. That came straight from heaven. He was the spotless, perfect lamb of the most high God. God wrapped in flesh. He paid the price. He shed his blood on the cross. Oh, come on, somebody. What am I trying to say? That Jesus Christ, his blood is more powerful than Adam's blood. That where the first Adam fell, Jesus, the scripture calls the second Adam, fulfilled. Where the first Adam let the enemy get into his head, The second Adam, Jesus, stomped the devil's head. And on the third day, oh, come on, somebody, he defeated death, hell, and the grave. Oh, come on, somebody. What am I trying to say? We have a covenant relationship with God Almighty himself through Jesus Christ laying down his life and shedding his blood. See, that's why the scripture says it like this. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21 through 22, It says, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam. Oh, man, somebody. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. How does it happen? It happens by placing our faith in Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, where guess what? We now carry his blood. We now carry his DNA, and no longer are we just considered children of Adam, but now we can say that we are children of God. Come on, can we thank God for his covenant in our life? Guess what? God, God kept the covenant that he established with Adam. God decided, I'm keeping this covenant because I spoke the word, and I don't go back on the word that I have spoken. The first point I want to give you today is this, that God is a covenant maker and covenant keeper. Is this making sense to somebody, by the way? I pray it is. Oh, man, this is a powerful and this is a refreshing reminder for me that God is a covenant maker and covenant keeper. You know why? Because in life, we will all experience broken agreements, broken promises, and unfortunately, we will experience broken covenants. 
at times. But I'm thankful that we serve a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who the scripture says that he is not a man, that he should lie. The scripture says that his promises are yes and amen. In other words, when God speaks a word and establishes a covenant, you can take that to the bank, baby, because you know that when God speaks it, he will fulfill it. He will take care of it. That's why Psalm chapter 105, verse 7 through 8 says it like this. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. I'm so thankful it did not say, he remembers his covenant for 10 years. He, 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 he can forget sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, God, God can, God, your God doesn't forget. You ever thought about this before? Because the scripture even says that God cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. That whenever we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Right? He takes our sin, he takes us when we're red as crimson. He makes us white as wool. He, he takes us when we're red as scarlet. He makes us white as snow. He, 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 it's not that God has amnesia. It's not that God is forgetful. It's, God, it's that God chooses to forget. Some of us are holding things against ourselves that Jesus Christ, that God has already forgiven and forgotten about. But... If there's one thing that God does not, and this isn't even in my notes right here, too. I don't know who this is for. But if there's one thing that God will never forget, he won't forget his covenant. He won't forget his promises. And he says, the word which he commanded for what? A thousand generations. A thousand. In other words, it's unending. When God speaks it, when he establishes a covenant, he won't forget it. Good news. God's a covenant maker. He's a covenant keeper. Here's the bad news. We're covenant breakers. As humanity, it's, it just, it's in us. God establishes a covenant. It's like, man, just test the line and go past it. You know what I mean? Like, in fact, when you study the Bible, God establishes a covenant here, a covenant here, and, and there's conditional com covenants at times. And guess what? God always keeps his end of the bargain. God always keeps his covenant. You know where the problem is? <laughs> Us. We're the ones that, that, that aren't faithful to God the way that we should be faithful to God at times. But God is faithful. God stays true to his word. And through it all, from the creation of man till today and forevermore, God will keep his covenant and keep his word. Let me give you an illustration of this real quick. Just visualize this. Let's say we were, going, we were to go into the Bible. Let's go... <laughs> Let's go to the first time man broke their covenant with God. I just want to see how far we're going to get, y'all. All right? You ready? Open up your Bible. Go to, depending on how your print is and everything, let's see how far we get. God makes a covenant. Let's see how long. Second page. <laughs> well, for me, it's the second page. It's like, let's, let's find out. that This is the story about creation, about God. How, what's more exciting than that? Let's see how far we get. Second page. <laughs> we fall short and sin and break the covenant that we have with God. 
Now let's go to the last page. Revelation chapter 22. Unless you have an index, you know, it could be further pages, but technically, Scripture. Revelation chapter 22. John has a vision of a new heaven and a new earth. In other words, it's God's perfect redemption within creation where we are united with Christ forever, where all former things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So get this. Second page. Last page. First page, second page, we messed it up. Last page, God makes it right. All this right here, God fixing our mistake. Second page, God making a covenant. Last page, God keeping his covenant and keeping his word. And all throughout here, we fall, we fail, we make mistakes. We're not faithful to God, but God chases us with a love that's everlasting and unconditional. And he turns towards us. Why? Because he made a covenant and he sealed it with his blood. And when God speaks a word, he will stay true to his covenant promise. He's a covenant maker. He's a covenant keeper. That's why he didn't just take Adam and Eve out, but he stayed true, leading up their bloodline all the way to, when you get a chance, read Matthew chapter one. Matthew chapter one, you find the genealogy of Jesus and the bloodline of Jesus. So that tells me this story right here wasn't a fable or fiction. or Even in the New Testament, leading all the way back, through, it goes through David, Abraham, Noah, ultimately pointing and going all the way back to Adam. It's a full circle thing that takes place. And God keeps his covenant. Anybody thankful for God who keeps his covenant? (laughs) Worship team, y'all can go ahead and come up. Here's the second point I want to give you today. It's this, that God's covenants are a covering. God's covenants are a covering. A covering, because this is why you need to grab a hold of this point. Because if you don't see God's covenants as a covering, you may be under the wrong impression that God's just a control freak or a dictator, right? It's like, God, why do you want me? This is my, let me live my life. Let me do things my way. Let me tell you, it's not that God's trying to be controlling. You know what he's trying to be? He's trying to be a covering over you. He's trying to be a, he wants you to, to experience true freedom, true peace, true joy, true fulfillment and satisfaction. And what does that happen? When we abide underneath the covenant, reminds me of the scripture, abide under the shadow of the almighty God. When we are underneath the covenant, this is came to me. You know, it's been said before that the Old Testament is nothing more than a shadow of the New Testament, that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, but the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed, that just like my hand, I have a shadow, right? And my body, I got a shadow right here. It's a, it's, it's a mirror, it's a, it's, it's, it's a shadow that's right there. And it's almost like in the Old Testament, God was like, stay underneath my shadow. But for us, we're just like, whew, you know, just like dodging the shadow. 
not staying underneath the covering, messing up time and time again. And it's almost like God said, man, I'm trying to cover them. I'm trying to keep them. And, and, and they're not following you. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to step in. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm going to step in. I'm going to cover them. Where they fell short, where they couldn't keep the commandments and keep the law, guess what? Jesus Christ fulfilled it all. And so that way we can experience freedom. Somebody say freedom. That we can be free and whom the Son is set free is what? Free indeed. Whenever God created Adam and Eve, you know what he told them? One of the first things that God ever told him, he said this. He said, he said, you are free to eat of every tree. You are free to eat of every tree except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You are free. See, because, get this, you serve a God of true freedom. But here's the thing. True freedom exists in the boundaries of what God says is good and isn't good. And when we step out of that covering, guess what? We're going to find ourselves bound. When we step into sin, it may be pleasurable for a season, but what? The wages of sin is what? Death. It's just going to lead to death. Adam and Eve had... Adam and Eve had a choice to follow after God. See, because think about this. What if God just created there to be a wall or barrier, or he just planted an angel there, said, just guard the tree? Would that be a relationship or a dictatorship? Covenant is a relationship. There isn't a covenant if there isn't a choice. God didn't want to create robots he wanted to create real people made in his image that decided to love him and worship him and be in relationship with him. I don't know how long Adam and Eve lasted in the Garden of Eden, but they were disobedient. They broke the commandment. What happened? Sin entered the world. And with sin, guess what? You know what comes with sin? Many times, sin is followed by shame. And the scripture says that Adam and Eve were shameful. And you know what shame will cause you to do? Shame will cause you to hide from God. Oh, come on. That's why some people don't come to church. Why? Because they feel shameful. They feel dirty. And you know what shame is? There's a difference between shame and guilt. Because guilt says, I made a mistake. You know what shame says? I am a mistake. Guilt says, I failed. Shame says, I am a failure. And they carried shame. And they, we, weren't designed, we weren't designed to carry shame. We, we weren't designed to carry sin. sin. We, we weren't designed to carry any of these things. And, and they tried to cover themselves up with human effort. And they got the leaves of a fig tree. They covered themselves up because they sinned. And God... The one who, I feel the presence of God, the one who was in relationship with him, 
walked into the garden in the cool of the day like he normally would to be in relationship and to commune and fellowship and conversate with his creation, with Adam. But Adam's nowhere to be found. And he says, Adam, Adam, where are you? And Adam's hiding. Can you imagine how shameful and exposed and dirty they felt? Trying to cover up their nakedness, y'all. This was the first episode, first season of Naked and Afraid, y'all. Hiding. and But you know what your God didn't do? He didn't just kill them and eradicate them and take them. I said, you know what? We're starting over. No, because God made a covenant and he established another covenant and he set the tone for, and he said the word leading up to Jesus. And you know what your God did? He took these naked people, shameful, sinful people. I think it's a picture of the gospel. And he killed an innocent animal. Why? because the blood had to be applied to establish a new covenant. He had to cover their sin, cover their shame, cover their nakedness, and he clothed them and covered them in that moment. But the animal, the blood of an animal couldn't be sufficient. It wasn't enough. In the Old Testament, they killed thousands, not millions of animals, but none of it wasn't enough. It required the blood of one who is innocent, perfect, pure, holy, God in the Jesus Christ, who came down through the virgin birth, lived the life that we couldn't live, died the death that, that we deserved, for he who knew no sin, what? Became, he became sin. So that way we can become the righteousness of God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. You know why? Because he wanted to cover us from our sin. And guess what? Jesus carried this sin. Jesus carried your shame. Everything that we hold on to and we're shameful of and we isolate ourselves to, Jesus is saying, give that to me. I want to cover that. I, I, I kept a cover. Why? So next time you think to yourself this, God, because even underneath the new covenant, we can, we can think to ourselves like this, like the question we asked earlier, God, why don't you just do away with me? God, I would have given up on myself a long, I would have given up on me a long time ago. Thank God we're not God, right? God, I, you, you know I, I, I haven't been faithful. I promised I wouldn't do that, but then I did that. I said I wouldn't go there, but I, I went there. God, like, what? God, why is your goodness and mercy following after me? I try to run away, but I look back and your love and your mercy and your goodness is right there. Why? Because God has a covenant. If you have your faith in Jesus Christ, guess what? God isn't gonna let you go easy. He's gonna be present. He will stand alongside you. He'll never leave you and forsake you. And what God has started in your life, he will be faithful to the day of completion. God's got you covered. He's got your back. We just got to turn to him. We just got to place our faith in him and say, God, forgive me. I repent. He's right because he keeps his word. Your God, I'm going to... Can we go a little deeper in this? During second service, I felt like the Holy Spirit gave this to me. I think about 
even a picture of this could be the woman caught in the act of adultery. The woman caught in the act of adultery, and guess what? But that means there was a covenant that was broken. A covenant was broken. And the scripture says that they took the woman, not the man, took the woman and brought her before Jesus. Can you imagine how shameful she felt? Can you imagine how exposed she felt? Can you imagine how dirty she felt and how dirty she looked? And like she was just in the crowd of people and they bring her before Jesus, trying to trip him up and say, Jesus, the law of Moses says she should be stoned for what she did. What do you say that we should do? And you know what Jesus did? And since I'm preaching this message, I'm just going to preach it like I feel it. Jesus didn't say a word. You know what he did? He got down. (laughs) And he began to write in the dirt. He began to write in the dust. The same God who took Adam from the dust of the earth. Oh, come on, somebody. The same God who is present in the creation of man stoops down and begins to write and the oldest from the youngest begin to walk away and we don't know what he wrote what he wrote but we know that all her accusers left and he asked the woman woman where are your accusers they're not here lord neither do i accuse you go and sin no more jesus being full of grace and truth let me tell you something you may feel dirty You may feel disgusted. You may feel like you can't come to God, but that is a lie straight from hell. You can come to Jesus because he's the one that cleanses us. Come on, he's not afraid to get his hands dirty in our life. He's not afraid to step in. You serve a God of covenant. You serve a God that shed his blood on Calvary. He shed his blood on the cross. He paid the debt that we did not owe, that he did not owe because we owed a debt that we could not pay. Come on, stand to your feet today. I want to leave you with this scripture right here. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14 through 18 says it like this. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from the acts that lead to death? What is that? Shame. Remove the shame. Cleanse our consciousness so that we may serve the living God For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the what? Promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant, in the case of a will, it feels like I'm just reading law right now. It feels like I'm reading like a a document used in court, but because God can't go against his word. He said, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it because a will is in force only when someone has died. In other words, Jesus had to pay the price. Jesus had to lay down his life. He had to go into the tomb for three days. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. We may have inherited, and here's my conclusion I want to leave you with. We inherited death through the blood of Adam, but we inherit life and life more abundantly through the blood of Jesus Christ.
get this, just get this for a second, get this for a second. Not just life, life more abundantly. Jesus said the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you life and life more abundantly. God didn't just give Adam life. You know what he told him? Be fruitful, multiply, take dominion, subdue the earth, dominate. God doesn't want you just to live as a believer and live as a Christian and go through life defeated and depressed and discouraged. He wants you not just to be covered by the blood. He wants you to be empowered by his Holy Spirit. Stomp the devil's head. Come on, tread on serpents and scorpions as a child of the most high God. Why? Because you understand the covenant that you have with God. We are in covenant with God as children of God. Men may have betrayed you. People may have failed you. There may be broken promises and agreements. But let me remind you today, God will never lie. When God speaks it, when he says it, he will fulfill it. He will take care of it. And we're all covered. Oh, come on, somebody. Anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ in our life? Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, I feel the presence of God. I speak right now, and we come against all shame. I come against right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We come against all shame. God, right now, every chain be broken. Come on, somebody needs to repeat this after me. Say, I am a child of God. I refuse to live in shame. Come on, say, I refuse to live in shame and condemnation. Because there is no condemnation. For those that are in Christ Jesus, I will live life and life more abundantly in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, give him a praise in this place if you're thankful for his blood in your life. Come on, you need to begin to speak it and declare it. We need to reverse every curse, deny every lie, and stand on who Jesus is. It's in his blood. It's in his name. There is power in his name. Come on, can we worship him in this place? Give him give him the praise. If you're thankful for the covenant, if you're thankful for the blood. Come on, let's sing it out. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.